All right, so we are going live. We actually got quite a big one to discuss today. Um, and I suppose I'll go over what we're specifically doing in a minute here, but let me just make sure everything's up to speed and then we'll, we'll get started. Okay, I think we're good. So the first thing that I need to address is that today will be a reaction segment. Um, the specific reaction, or specifically what we're reacting to is uh, from a organization called Healthy Gamer. Um, and to some degree, they've been the inspiration for the creation of Healthy Dialogue. Um, not so much that the name ended up <laughs> having healthy in, in both of the brand names, but um, more so that what Healthy Gamer has done has introduced the idea that there's a market for clarification on the experiences gamers go through in the online environment. Um, and I'll do a quick introduction of what Healthy Gamer is. Um, it's a... It's a brand, it's led by Dr. Um, or Dr. K. I go by his alias because I can't pronounce his, his full name as much as I, it, it pains me that I can't, but I'd rather hear it properly from, um, from him in particular. I just haven't, uh, I haven't looked around enough to see him pronounce his name enough times, but he goes by Dr. K. Um, that's what I, I'll be referring to him as um, throughout, throughout the video here. Um, he's a world-leading expert in gaming psychiatry. Um, again, he created the Healthy Gamer brand. And this is directly from their website, too, if you want to go check them out. Um, Healthy Gamer is a mental health platform designed to help the Internet generation succeed, provides mental health and coaching services to empower the Internet generation to find peace and purpose through content, community, and coaching. Their mission statement is help people on the Internet take control of their mental health. Um, and for me, like, since I'm very passionate about mental health in general, um, and I, I've been playing video games my whole life, so it's been a forefront passion of mine since, since I was like four years old. Um, and I'm very involved with the online gaming community across multiple different types of games. So, uh, no, I kind of know what the situation a lot of my peers are at as well as I would say I'm also a part of that, that same group of people who directly suffer from, um, from like mental health in terms of like the gaming community too. So overall, I found Dr. K's work very inspiring, very insightful, um, and extremely helpful for, for many people out there. I think there's people who take away perspective um, and they live better lives off of that. So I'm a huge fan of his work. I think a lot of people find his work uh, relieving and validating um, for their own experiences. And I think it provides a bunch of meaning uh, and clarity how, of how they go about their lives uh, moving forward. So one of the, one of the um, methodologies that he sticks to is something called AOE healing. So he does a bunch of individual, well, he's made it clear in a bunch of his content that he spends time with individuals. Um, and by spending time with individuals, you're also impacting the community that the individual is in. And then on top of that, um, when he's providing content while engaging with these individuals, other people are able to take away perspective at the same time. Um, a lot of his lingo and analogies are mostly for gamers. So um, when you're, as much as I suggest that you guys go take a look at his stuff, I also uh, understand that like not everyone's going to understand the references that he that he poses. Even though this is a original Discord community, um, but hopefully the outreach of healthy dialogue goes beyond just the gaming community. Um, cause I know there's a whole lot of other communities that are on discord too. I mean, discord, I'm going 
going to be totally honest here. Discord is the best free service out there. So, it, like, it's not even close to any other, like, free free service. Like, this is the central hangout spot for people who are mostly on the internet. And you can collaborate with people. You can stream to other people. You can host communities on different servers. You can create your own personal server. Like, oh my god, Discord's the best. It's, it's really the best, and I, I'm i wearing their merch right now, too. I just got their merch yesterday, and I've, like, the past two days, I, I've only worn <laughs> the things that I bought from them. So, uh, great company, too. But, yeah, as much as Discord is, like, a gamer primarily, primarily a gaming, like, platform, um, gamer platform, I know there's a bunch of other people who use Discord as well, so... Um, yeah, so even though, like, most of his analogies in lingo is for, is, like, gamer talk, it, it, I think a lot of people could understand still some of the, some of the references that he makes, and it still find him helpful, but that's Dr. K, that's Healthy Gamer, um, today I wanted to specifically go over a video that came out from the brand, and it's called uh, how logical thinking actually leads to irrationality. Um, and so part of like these reaction segments are going to be about how I, how I listen through some of the content that I watch online. Um, and it could be a range of things like, so for example, this like Dr. K healthy gamer is like one of the things that i watch. I also watch, uh, George, Dr. Jordan Peterson also watch a little bit of Ben Shapiro um, which would usually red flag a lot of people in terms of like the kind of political stances that those guys or the political heat that they have um, across like, well, yeah, like it doesn't matter. It's just like the, the political heat that they're that they're in would probably deter people from <laughs> from my person knowing that I just outed the kinds of content that I'm watching. But there's a there's a healthy boundary between myself and the kind of content that they're bringing out like there's i understand that they have different perspective than i am and i can respect that they have uh so much of a different perspective that um well yeah no it's just that i respect their perspective uh, and they can articulate it well but that's not that's not all of it I mean, I also listen to like CNN as much as they get on my nerves. I also listen to a bit of Fox News, which I'm not a huge fan of either. Um, surprisingly, in my diet of content that I'm exposed to, it's not more moderate. And I should be looking for more moderate stuff. Um, but for the most part, it's been mostly at the extremes. I'll need to do some reflecting on how to create a game plan to make sure I get a better, better diet of different content. Anyways, um, I don't think I'll be talking about those mostly. I, like, I don't think I'll be talking about Ben Shapiro. That's for sure. Um, I might be talking about like some political stuff in the future. Like Afghanistan is a currently like is currently a pretty hot topic and like the, the way they went about that. I understand there's been some flip-flops from um, our political leaders as well. So, But I haven't done too much research on that yet, uh, or at least enough research to where I want to be able to talk about that. I just know it's happening. And, yeah, I, I think that'd be something that – there's some concepts in there that I'd want to talk about, but not until I've finished getting the information that I need to get. Um might talk about Jordan Peterson because a lot of his work that he does revolves around self-improvement and he's been like the biggest inspiration of self-improvement for me back in probably like late 2020. Um, and so I, I hold a lot of his perspectives um, or I, at least I've like changed some of his perspectives to match what I think is accurate. Um, so he's, he's been a very clarifying voice for my own uh, self-improvement and self-identity or yeah, my own identity uh, progression over the past like year and a half. Okay. Um, so in terms of 
how I want like these segments to go. I don't, I, I figure most people won't be watching the video that I sent out before I like start discussing on this stuff. So I have some notes of like what was talked about in my thoughts on it. Um, so in terms of my notes, you can see the podcast outline like from the discord channel. So you'll, you'll be able to see like exactly word for word my notes. Um, but I'll, I'll just be kind of going over a couple of these, I think. I don't know how much of this I necessarily want to go over. Um, it's just like a huge like barf of <laughs> a huge barf of everything that I was thinking about while I was uh, listening in. So how logical thinking actually leads to irrationality. So the way the video ended up starting was um, Dr. K was like posing the situation where where people understand arguments from a basis of if the other person is, or rather, people see arguments and the winning condition is if you don't get emotional. And the second you do become emotional, that invalidates your position because you're not thinking clearly. So Dr. K was posing the situation where, or actually, okay, I need to take one more step back uh, because I need I needed to make this distinction distinction before I actually went over the video um, review. I'm not speaking on behalf of Dr. K. The whenever I say like Dr. K said this, this is my interpretation of what he said or an interpretation of the perspective that was in the video um, and the content that he puts out in the world. So I'm fully aware that there's going to be gaps between my representation of him and who he actually is. So in, in the way that I interpret his things is not meant to, to ruin his argument or give him the benefit of the doubt for his arguments. That's just how I interpret what he says. And I, I don't think I don't think you should take my understanding of what he says and hold him responsible for that. I think I just wanted to get that out because like I, I have a lot of respect for the guy and I don't want to butcher his work or um, butcher the brand either. Like they do great stuff. Um, and frankly, I agree with most of the things that he, that he said. So even if, even if I have like a disagreement in, um, an experience in perspective of what he's posing out. Um, it's not like, it's not like I'm, I think he's doing something wrong or I think like his perspective is invalid. I think it's all valid. And, um, if, if anything, he actually has the data to support like more of his claims than I do, uh, because he's a clinical, I think it's psychologist or psychiatrist. Um, I, I really should have done my work on figuring out uh, Dr. K completely, but uh, I just, I'm just a huge fan of his work and I wanted to do a video segment on this. So anyways, back to the specific um, scenario that he posed. So Dr. K poses the situation where, um, where the second they hold the standard, if someone becomes emotional during an argument that invalidates their uh, that invalidates their position entirely because they're not thinking rationally and okay not and but I think people do see that not okay not everyone is able to understand the difference and I think people still follow that standard and what's wrong with that is that you're not seeking accuracy when you're having an argument when you're like I, this is why i think arguments are pretty stupid because a lot of people go over the go into an argument hoping to win they don't go into an argument looking to looking to seek the truth or to gain the truth or like something closer to the truth when they're exchanging ideas and having like per or yeah when they're exchanging perspectives what you should be doing is you should be thinking if what you're posing in your current perspective if that's accurate and having a clash between a different perspective 
that may be the polar opposite or may even be a slight adjustment. And you need to make the decision of whether or not theirs is more accurate or if yours is more accurate or if there's something in the middle that you still need to figure out. Like arguments shouldn't be about can you win it or can you not? It should be about like what's the best like solution here? And if the best solution is you need to take you need to strip down like your own perspective and make adjustments to it because it's not fully thought out or the other person needs to as well. Like you need to be in consideration of both of your guys's growth um, coming out of the argument. That's what the argument should be about in the first place. But too many people go into an argument thinking that they're so right that they need to demolish the other person's perspective and invalidate it. But that's just that's so bad. Like, you need to understand that perspectives are based on experience. And, you know, it, it's one thing to interpret your experience in a wrong way. Fine. And really, it should be the individual's job to be as accurate as possible with the perspective. But you need to make sure you're providing counter examples to the experience that they went through so that they can take away a perspective that's more accurate to what they actually went through. And so find being accurate towards your experiences is hard. And staying true with your perspective to those experiences is pretty, well, yeah, is pretty much the same thing. It's hard. So, um, what Dr. K suggested about situations like those is that it's like, there isn't actually a correlation between rationality or between like emotional, being emotional and being rational. Um, so there's also not a correlation between winning arguments and being correct. I did. He ended up saying, well, okay, in his words, actually, I can't even say that because I don't even have the direct quote written down, written down but winning arguments doesn't mean that you're correct. Winning arguments means that you know how to debate. So it's like an articulation skill. You like you can't get that twisted. So, if your measurement of winning an argument is based on is based on, or rather, if your ability to win an argument means that you're correct, you're mistaken, because that's more reflective of your ability to debate, and not everyone is able to debate as well as you can the same way that you can't debate as well as other people in the world. So that's just a comparison measurement. And that's not, I, I mean, I already said my piece on how arguments should be, um, should be conducted anyways. You need to be there on the premise that you're seeking for accurate, yeah, you're seeking accuracy and to make your perspective the best that it can be and the most accurate that it can be. Because to me, that's meaningful. I, I mean, I can't really say that for everyone else. But like if, if you're just like in an argument to prove you're better than someone else, fuck you. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say about that. It's like, why would I ever waste my time trying to have an argument with someone who is there just to demolish me? Like, that's such a, what a relationship that's in. It's like such a bad expectation from the event anyways. So anyways. All right. The next thing that he went over was... So when most people go through a argument everyone in either well okay all the parties that are there will believe that they're right so if i go in an argument with someone else i'm gonna think that i'm right the same way that the other person is gonna think that they're right and i think that's still fitting under the condition of when or that's still like it's a key portion of of the argument process in my eyes like, in order to seek accuracy, you need to believe that what you've generated so far, 
your perspective that you've generated so far is accurate to who, to your experiences. The same way that the other person needs to believe that their perspective is currently accurate with their experiences as well. So when you start sharing the experiences and the perspectives, you're going to start getting shifts in how you need to adjust your perspective to be inclusive of how other people experience events as well. Um, and if you don't even if you don't even believe that you're right, then you don't even have an argument there. You just have like a one-sided listening section of someone sharing their experience so that you can gain the knowledge of how they took away from that experience. So you're taking away their perspective without providing your own, and that's not even an argument anymore. Um, but say say if you do like the the situation that Dr. K posed, which is I need to be, in my argument, I need to come out on top, which is if I demolish you, then I'm the winner. And that means I'm even more right and I'm validated for being right because I've won the argument. Um, and in that case, you have one, you, well, I guess you have either side both thinking that they're right and they're also making the claim that the other person isn't thinking clearly. So the situation that he actually brought up specifically was for political debates. So you have like Democrats and Republicans in the American world, <laughs> American political world, who are saying, you know, X, Y, Z. And the reason why my opposition is <laughs> whatever my opposition poses is just wrong. It's like they're, they're not thinking straight or, and to some degree, that's right. Um, as I think politics is a general exception, but I think for most cases, um, when people do, when people operate in an argument in that manner, when they say the other side isn't thinking clearly, what I really think they mean to say is they don't have the perspective that I have to have as much faith in the perspective that I'm bringing up to the table. So it's like they're lacking in my perspective and therefore their perspective isn't valid. Um, or rather, they're lacking in the experience that I had, so therefore their perspective is invalid. Now, I think, I think that's more accurate. And I, I don't think you should be judging whether or not someone's perspective is accurate enough. I think you just need to understand that the other person didn't go through what you went through. And so having them understand your perspective or even agree to your perspective is... Well, first of all, I think they're wrong because they, they should, again, be under the premise that they, like, you should understand that someone else has a different experience than you do and have as, like, the best representation of their experiences through their perspective as much as you do. So you need to have, like, the good faith behind uh, the argument that the other person can teach you something um, about what they went through. Because what they went through is something that you can't do or that you can't have except from their takeaway from it. So, like, it's more of an understanding that it's something you will never have and it's something they will never have. And that's why you should be inclined to believe in their perspective um, as much as that you should be inclined to believe in your perspective, too. Because when you both have the perspective, it doesn't mean like when you're having an argument, it doesn't, it's not about one person. One person doesn't come out as the victor over the other person because both people went through something unique and they gained perspective through the experiences that they went through. So they're sharing perspectives in that manner. It's not about one person. When you win an argument, it shouldn't be about my perspective is validated and yours is invalid. It's about, it's more like, well, as Dr. K already said, and, and like, as I've talked about Dr. K already, it's like, he never said it was about winning the argument because, or like, you're not more rational because you won the argument. You just debated better. So, 
Anyways, I'm going to move on from that because I think I butchered it. But I, I think I said what I needed to say on that. Okay, so strangely enough, I had a debate, uh, I think somewhere around like winter of last year. So here, here's what I suggested. Every decision made by every human being has some emotional element to it. And my, the person I was engaged with had answered me, no, like there are things that people can stay objective to. Um, and there's no feelings attached. And the way that I went about that argument was you always feel like something. Okay. So say if you're debating whether you see the perp or the color purple, like say, say if you were shown the color purple, I feel like that color is purple. That just sounds wrong, but that was the kind of argument that I was trying to produce. Um, what I really meant to say is that in my subjective view of this color, it comes out purple to me. And that you can have that change between different people, but because say you have like colorblind, colorblind people like show up um, to provide their perspective on their subjective perspective on what the color is. So um, you'll get like a full range of everything but purple. And so what do you identify that is? Um, and we came to the conclusion that like, yeah, the word that I was meaning to say wasn't emotional. Like it, it wasn't an emotional side of me thinking that the color was purple and that emotion could vary between people to make them feel like it's something, some other color. It, it's more of just the subjective view. Um, and, and so we went through that, but that weirdly enough related to this new idea that Dr. K was bringing up. Um, and I, I'm interested in knowing the difference between the dialogue that I went through with the person I was engaged with on that topic versus what Dr. K is producing in this segment. So he's saying that there's always an emotional influence to the rational conversations that you're having. Like, there's no sense of objective truth to the individual. There's only your perspective of the objective truth. And as much as you try to distance yourself from the emotional side, um, as, as much as you try to put down and shut down the emotional side of your interpretation while you're interpreting the objective, you will always end up with the subjective. And it's not... And, and in fact, if you suppress the emotional side of your interpretation you get more subjective and further away from the objective um versus whether or not versus you like instead of suppressing it you open it up or keep it in the keep it in the air as like a factor Which is weird because in, in that instance, right? So if we're talking about like the color purple, if we're trying to rationalize whether we see the objective purple as it is and we go between person to person, it's not like my feelings of the color that I'm seeing is change is like different from someone else. Like maybe neuro neurologically, oh my God, words, maybe neurologically like, I get a different feeling from from when I see like a certain color with my eyes, but I don't necessarily know if that's emotional. I th I think that's also subjective, but um, I guess Dr. K and I would have to have like a dialogue revolving around that specific case, or if this, or if what Dr. K is suggesting is for something a little different. Um, it's like, instead of, obvious truths that you're being posed with so like the when you're visualizing the color purple it's an it's an obvious truth right um so how do you like what's where's the emotional side when trying to rationalize that the color that you see is purple right i, I just don't think that there's an emotional element to that i think there's a subjective element to that 
but I don't, I don't think there's emotional influence. Something to be explored. But yeah, um, as Dr. K, or as I already said, um, represented Dr. K with, he was also presenting the idea that the more you suppress the emotional side when trying to objectively digest um, the truth, is the more, well, you get further and further away from the truth most of the time um, while trying to suppress your emotional side of understanding the information. And most of the time when people distance themselves from, or rather, when an individual can identify like emotions present, perhaps in their understanding when they view the color purple, Dr. K suggested the idea that that only means that the action of emotions isn't visible to you. And that like, I don't know, I'm, tr I'm really trying hard to reflect on if there's really an emotional side to understanding the truth. Or maybe it's specifically in an argument. Maybe that's the context I'm missing here. It's not an argument if if it's an objective truth, right? So if most people see it as purple, um, and there's like a handful of colorblind people that, that don't see it that way, then we come to the conclusion that the conditions of which I can see the color purple are different from how someone else can't see the color purple um and perhaps there is no argument to be had there so maybe i'm guessing that was the key piece that that really puts his his perspective of that together versus mine okay so the next thing that he brought up uh, or like a the next thing I want to talk about, sorry, um, is defense mechanisms. So the way he went over this was um, defense mechanisms are in place to keep you from solving the actual problem. So one of the situations he was bringing up was like drug addicts. So when you engage someone who's in denial that they're a drug addict, they will usually say, well, I mean, it's obvious from the denial <laughs> key piece of information there is that they don't believe that. So they'll put off the, the blame over to different, different things or say that the problem doesn't exist at all. Um, and that's their defense mechanism for the actual problem. So objectively, the problem is that they're doing drug overdose, but they're not willing to admit that that's a problem or they're going to like put off the problem on something else so that they feel justified in indulging that bad behavior. Which is true. It's true. There's not much to say about that. Um, what he did bring up is that there's a, there's a tendency behavior where people are too afraid to fix that root problem and redirect the problem to something else or to believe that the root plot yeah the root problem doesn't exist so i mean that that's really just a reiteration of what i just said but um it's the key point that i wanted to make in this bullet point was that people are too afraid to fix their root problems um and I think people go through some sort of identity crisis. And then there's other people that just suffer through it the whole time. So for me, when I keep running away from the root problem, I end up getting like uninspired to, <laughs> to, to do anything really. Um, and so there was a identity crisis where I became like too uninspired to do anything to where like, I needed to make the decision of whether or not like life was worth living or not anymore. And so you need to, of course you need to, you either survive or you don't. And the way that you survive is to actually ask yourself the question, like, 
what are the problems that I need to address and how do I fix them in a way that's meaningful to me and that will project my success in the future. I think too many people are unwilling to take a look at the root problems that they have. As much as they're able to identify them or have someone else identify them for you. See, the biggest thing that one, one thing that I've been trying to understand more, or not so much, one thing that I've been trying to implement more is that whenever I get feedback, I take it to heart from other people. And actually, as my, I used to hold my own opinion ahead of other people um, because I thought, like, you know, other people are presenting their perspective, which is just their experience. And the reason why they're not able to influence me or why they shouldn't be able to influence me is because they didn't go through the experiences that I went through. So therefore, my perspective hasn't been countered in the, the right way for me to implement this kinds of changes or implement the kind of feedback that other people are giving me. Because they, they haven't gone through what I've gone through. So I don't need to listen to them. Um, and the reason why this is related is because I can never identify what the actual problems were in my life because I never listened to anyone else who hadn't had, who had a more objective understanding and perspective of what I was going through versus what I was going through myself. So it's much different to be in the experience and hold the perspective of being in the experience versus someone else who's able to see things from more, from a more objective sense. So that's why I hold other people's opinions, or rather, other people's perspectives and feedback of me much higher than my own, because they know me better than I know me. Because my, my view of myself is subjective, and in the tent, like, it usually goes towards the more negative side of, of the perspectives held about me, too. So that's why I need to have someone else who has a more accurate understanding of who I am as a person um, tell me how I'm doing. And that's how I fix my problems is based on how other people see me. Because they have the most accurate feedback out of all parties here. All right, moving on. Um, okay, so when people are too afraid to fix their root problems, this is usually the case of emotional influence overtaking rationality. So in the case with mine, right, when I used to hold my own opinion above everyone else's, it was more like, it was validating for me to feel bad about myself because that's how I wanted to feel about myself. Because I thought that was accurate, but it really wasn't. And so, like, the emotional influence of me wanting to feel bad about myself was justified by allowing my own subjective view about myself to take over all the other perspectives that were about me. So, as much as I felt justified in the ways that, that I viewed myself, that wasn't actually accurate. Um, but it was, yeah, so it was, it was like reinforcing the opinion that I wanted to have of myself. And that was the kind of situation that I wanted to be in. So it wasn't that I was afraid to fix my root problems. I didn't think there was a problem. I thought I already had the understanding of the condition I was in. And I didn't think that there was anything that I was overlooking at the time. Nor did I feel like I could put trust in other people to fix it for me. So, and, and I didn't even think that I had what it takes to fix it myself. So there needed to be like a huge shift in how I thought about the problems or, I don't know, I just had a huge change in my perspective. Um, I, had, I guess I believed in being more accurate and that led me to the point where I was putting trust in other people more than I was putting trust in myself. Or the voices that, that other people had of me were 
surpassing the own opinion that I had of me. Anyhow, I'm going to put that one down. Okay, so there was another thing that Dr. K ended up bringing up, and it was, so, say if you're poor, right? You're living out on the streets and you have, like, no money. You can put the blame on, like, the capitalistic society that put you at this, this extreme position where nobody else is able to, um, or where nobody else is... Sorry, I needed to look at a couple things. Where, okay, so you could put you could put blame on the system where society has led you to this point where you're poor and at this unfortunate position in life um, within the environment that you're in, or you could put the blame on yourself um, and say like, oh, you know what, I'm not working hard enough. I'm not spending money the way that I should be. Uh, I'm not doing things to actively make my life better. Um, and there's been a cultural shift where, well, it's not so much a cultural shift. This has probably always been within humanity. But putting the blame on the environment that you're in and taking blame off of yourself. So instead of saying like, oh, I should be doing this and that to improve the conditions that I'm living in, people have also been showing the behavior of putting the blame on the system oh it's the capitalistic you know environment that i'm put in like the government isn't doing enough for individuals like me like oh companies aren't hiring me because they're all pieces of shit you can have that perspective where everything is to blame except yourself or you can put the blame on yourself and there's been a change on well it's being highlighted that you can do either one and you're justified for doing that it's not like you're wrong for posing either perspective, but there's only one of those perspectives or one type of those perspectives that you're able to capitalize on opportunities to improve the conditions that you're living in. There's only one of them you can change and the other one you can't. And frankly, I think it's up to the individual to at least own up to the things that you are in control of. And what's, what's odd is that the things that you aren't in control of start coming your way. Or you start benefiting from the things that you can't control once you start taking control of yourself. Now, I've seen that in a lot of different situations. Call that, call, okay. So I'm going to suggest like the dating world, right? So say if I was like as fat of, <laughs> of a piece of shit as I wanted to be. Um, and I like never spent the time on working on myself to to be more presentable um, in in the way that I want to present myself that's meaningful to me. So say if I didn't work on anything that I wanted to work on um, because they were meaningful to me and I just chose not to do it. How are other people supposed to take a look at me and be confident in the decision that I'm being the person that I want to be and I'm advertising who I am? At face value, when you're, like, dating, you're always being the person that you are. And nobody has consideration of the person who you want to be. Um, and so it's your job to actively be the person that you want to be instead of being at a miserable point where you're not even proud of the person that you are, but you're still trying to out yourself in the dating world so that someone will accept you for who you are when you can't accept yourself. And maybe you can accept yourself and, you know, fair enough. But say if, like, I, I know for me, like, if you're not doing something to control your weight, then I don't have any interest in, in seeing you as a romantic interest. And you can blame that on all you want. You can do you can put the blame on, well, I don't have enough time to to be working on stuff. And you know what? Fair enough. That's the conditions of where you're at. But you can also stand up for yourself with like whatever you're balancing your time with to make time to be the person that you want to be. So 
it like it shouldn't even be about whether or not like a romantic interest is going to turn you down for for being overweight like it shouldn't like that shouldn't even be in question or that shouldn't even bother you if if that's who you want to be like i'm saying that say if the weight thing does get to you then that's a clear indication that that's not the person that you want to be otherwise you'd be taking pride in your weight and showing it off um no blame on anything whatsoever it is your choice you can't blame it on like your bad genes whatever it's or like the system doesn't give you enough time the capitalist market doesn't give you enough time to compensate for the kinds of healthy behavior that you want to indulge yourself with as long as it's your choice that you want to be the person that you want to be then you know that's up to you and and for the most part people go into dating believing that like and frankly i don't find those people attractive be who you want to be always and if you're not doing that then i th- i think your mental health will start it'll start dawning on you that you don't like the conditions that you put yourself in because you haven't haven't been working enough on the conditions that you want to do and that that's not to say that you haven't been putting in effort but there's a unfortunate balance that puts you in a in a spot where you don't want to be or you're unhappy with yourself so try to balance things out so that you're happy as much as possible um or yeah like i I think everyone should be guaranteed that kind of balance with the conditions that they're put upon and this kind of leads into the the next topic which is there's been a uh trending behavior where society and social norms are promoting scientifically and medically dangerous habits um, by giving people passes from their responsibility so in, in the way of like plus size right so you see you see this with like obesity and plus size like people are promoted for being unhealthy in modeling it's like there is some market opportunity by being by doing something unhealthy for myself mm-hmm. And it's okay if I do that because I'm, I'm justified for doing that. I don't think the, well, yeah, I don't know. I think that's wrong to get a pass on. You shouldn't excuse yourself from anyone else except yourself. That's all I'm going to say. I don't think society should be judging you if you want to be a certain way. You should be judging you if you want to be a certain way. You should hold yourself accountable and responsible for the way that you want to be. And if you're not doing things that you want to do that's in the best interest of you that will lead you to a happier life, then... You should be shamed by yourself for that. And I, I think it's right to say that if anyone else anyone else except yourself or the people that you're willing to take input input from are telling you specific things about yourself that that brings you shame, then yeah, like fuck them. Naturally. Yeah, like you know, naturally like fuck that shit. That's pretty awful. Um, but you need to be holding yourself accountable and responsible for the improvement that you want to see yourself indulging in. But too many people are being validated to not do that because society and social norms are promoting you to be the way that you like, you know, the bad habits that lead you to the spot there that you want to be instead of actually being yourself. Um, and it, to some degree, I kind of see how I see how like the extremes in some of these political groups might be going for that way. It's like I am validated to have this extreme view because it still falls under the category of that. And it's even though it might be like dangerous activity, it's 
it's not my individual responsibility for holding this belief because actually you know what scratch that scratch that last 36 i don't even know where i was going with that i'm sorry anyhow there's this continual blame um for people in these spots where or rather there's this continue yeah there's this continual blame for the outside and external factors external parties um for feeling the shame that you might have of yourself it's like a reminder that so say if i tell like someone that they're fat right and they really take that to heart it's a reinforcement of the position that they also feel fat too so i'm bringing out the shame back in them or i'm making them feel more shameful because other people are giving them a reason for why they should be more shamed because not only are the internal factors saying that you should feel ashamed the external are feeling shame too and <clears throat> what you need to i think everyone needs to go through this this cycle or rather this like understanding of themselves their own self-reflection um, I, I think the way you block out people is if you make the distinction for yourself i don't feel shamed for my weight because xyz and therefore if anyone presents like any external uh, source that isn't within the network of people that i allow to provide input to me if they say something about my weight, I'm not going to feel ashamed because I already believe in XYZ about myself. Like, this is who I want to be. And therefore, if anyone else uh, wants to tell me how I should be, fuck you. <laughs> right. But that's the kind of self-improvement process that you need to go through. You need to make these distinctions for yourself so you can co be confident in your character and nobody else can shame you into being someone um, into being someone or being better in the way that they want to see you be better. So there's a little bit more left with the video that I wanted to talk about. Um, I guess categorically what I've just described is selective rationality. So like you can blame yourself or you can blame like the external factors and you'd be justified to some degree for blaming either one of them. Um, really it should be a combination of the both, but you can be rash. Like there's, there's this idea of selective rationality where you only choose one or the other and you're not wrong for doing one or the other. It's just, I think it's inaccurate. And also I think what a lot of people are intolerant of being in the situation of is to feel shame. Um, and, the specific example that Dr. K went, went over was like re being rejected from someone. So when you're like asking for dates, right? Or if you ask someone out um, and you get rejected, your immediate response is, well, shit, this sucks. Because you <laughs> pretty much that's a reflection of the other person didn't think you were attractive enough or promising enough or had the potential to... Um, be worthwhile as a romantic interest and that sucks no one likes that but then you do a flip-flop on the perspective which is okay well you know what she thought that i wasn't up to her standards nah it's the other way around i was doing her charity work by saying you know what i will humor you with the experience of being a romantic interest you know, and like com make the situation flip flop so that you're the one who's doing the the rejection instead of uh, the other person. So people do that and they try to get away from the experience of being ashamed and feeling rejected. But personally, I think that's okay. And perhaps that's what I'm doing as I try to frame up my own ideas of how I go about those situations too. It's like, 
when I get rejected or when I reject someone else, it's under the condition. Well, it's it's more to say that under the current conditions, I don't see you as a romantic interest. And that's that's really all it is. It's not like, like, I'm not saying you suck or like you're a terrible person. I'm saying like, I don't think we're either compatible or really X, Y, Z list goes on, whatever. It's like, it's just not going to work out. I don't see the promise. I don't see the potential. And that's that. It's like, it's objective. It's not like, it's not like I have hard feelings towards you. It's just, you know, in the best interest for us both, I don't see it working out for me. And it's not in my best interest. So. So I think the last thing I want to talk about before I end the segment is rationalizing. There was this question that was brought up. Does rationalizing reinforce, uh, does it reinforce negative self-image? Um, and this kind of hit home because I think it absolutely does. And I think Dr. K also said it does too. Because you have strong emotions backing up the rationalization that you have about yourself. So when you have a negative self-image, like, oh, yeah, I'm a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> I'm a fat fuck and I'm depressed and you know what? I should kill myself. It's like that's that's a very strong emotion. And, and, and in fact, like you have the experience to back up and this the emotion to back up that decision. So it's it's like nobody else can get to you or change your mind about that because you're not wrong and you're willing to believe in that specific uh line of thinking about yourself because i mean as i already said you're not wrong like it's everything that you've rationalized during that process is still rational so it's hard to to engage with someone who's like suicidal or depressed because like they're going to continue thinking they're right because they that's like the conditions that they want to stay in and really the defining moment of how they get out of it is understanding that that's not who they want to be. Um, and good luck. Because that, I mean, I know as much as anyone else, that's that's the hardest decision to to change. Even though you have so many reasons and so, so you have so much rational thought behind, you know, like my potential isn't worth living out something in you is gonna have to scream the other the opposite side okay i, I actually think i want to conclude on that i think that was all right I'm actually trying to think if there's something else that I wanted to talk about first before I ended, but no, I, I think that's, I think that about does it. I'm okay with how this, this one went. Um, I don't know if I'll be doing more react segments. I'm usually not a huge fan of how they, they end up going or like, I, I'm not, I don't usually watch reacts like segments in general because, um, I mean, I watch pieces of like, so say, let's talk about like Ben Shapiro for a sec. So he does like reaction videos in in the sense that like they reflect on the video afterwards and it's like a retrospective it's not like an actual retrospective but you know talks about what happens in the content that's put out in the world um and that's the kind of reaction i like but unfortunately there's like other people on the internet who provide content of like direct reaction videos and like that reaction is what fuel that's that reaction is the specific um, content market point and those are pretty stupid <laughs> I, i'm gonna be honest but um no like uh doing like a review piece on specific content is pretty good so maybe maybe that's what i should be uh maybe that's what i should re like rebrand this this line of videos but We'll get that taken care of the f in the future. Thanks for listening, guys. 
I'm going to call it there. Got some stuff to do. I'll see you next week. I don't know what we'll do next week. We'll figure it out, though. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.